Hello, my name is Marie Geneviève, and this is episode number two of the Marie Geneviève Show. Welcome, everyone. I am glad that you're here. On this podcast, I analyze the LGBTQ plus representation in works of fiction. My goal is to build an understanding of the portrayal of sexual and gender diversity through time and space. In each episode, I do a case study. Today, I will be discussing the LGBTQ plus representation in the 1969 movie, The Gay Deceivers. I explain in detail my method in the first episode, so if you're curious to hear more about it, I invite you to listen to that episode. Today is the first time that I do an actual analysis on the podcast. It will be a very detailed episode. There's a lot to unfold when it comes to the gay deceivers. So far, I have prepared about eight or nine analyses for the podcast. This movie is the one that has the most thing to analyze. It seems like a great place to start, and I have to tell you that future episodes may not be as intense as this one. I want to start by giving you a little bit of context about the movie itself and the social political climate of the time. The Gay Deceiver is a comedy movie. It came out four days after Stonewall. It was written by Jerome Wish, Abe Polsky, and Gil Lasky. It was directed by Bruce Kessler. It was a low-budget movie and it was distributed by Fanfare Films. The movie tells the story of two young men, Danny and Elliot, who pretend to be gay to avoid serving in the army during the Vietnam War. But the recruiting officer doesn't believe them, so they have to move in together and live as if they were a couple. At the time the movie came out, a lot of movies showed draft resistance, the war, and the anti-war movement. The Vietnam War was controversial. There was a lot of draft resistance and evasion. To avoid serving in the army, a lot of people fled to Canada, others claimed disabilities, etc. According to the author David Courtright, millions of people avoided going into the army by using such methods. One of the ways to avoid the draft was to claim that you were gay. A lot of people asked a psychiatrist to write a letter justifying their homosexuality. At the time, homosexuality was a cause for discharge because it was considered a mental illness. But some gays and lesbians hid their homosexuality to enroll in the army. In some cases, the army doctor didn't believe people when they said that they were gay or lesbians, so they had to join the army anyway. Because the army was looking for so many people, they let local officers decide on discharging. It created a loophole for people to join the army despite their homosexuality. The movie received several different ratings. Most of the ratings required parental guidance for children. Besides the R rating the movie received in the US, the Legion of Decency gave it a A4 rating. That rating means suitable for adults with reservation. They explained that some people might take might be offended by things related to homosexuality. Australia at first banned the movie. In 1984, they rated the movie again, giving it an M rating. That rating calls for a mature audience and requires parental guidance for children under 15. Not too long after the movie opened, there were several protests against it all over the United States. 
The one I found the most information about is a demonstration in San Francisco. The Committee for the Freedom of Homosexuals, a San Francisco activist group, gathered outside the San Francisco Theater. They protested because they said that the movie was too stereotypical and it was portraying gays as unpatriotic. One of the members of the committee wrote to the San Francisco Chronicle the letter which was against the movie was eventually published in the newspapers. The movie was also not well received by the critics known to be homophobic. The irony was that they thought the movie was too homophobic. The actor who plays Malcolm was also accused of being a sellout because he had accepted the role. Now let's move on to the actual analysis of the representation in this movie. Before I begin this part of the episode, I have to mention that I will be talking in detail about the movie. If you haven't watched it yet, be aware that the rest of this episode contains a lot of spoilers. If you want to watch The Gay Deceivers before listening, it is available on Tubi and on YouTube. In the storyline of the gay deceivers, homosexuality plays a big role. At first, Danny and Elliot use it to avoid the draft, but their lie quickly becomes a problem. They have to make some people believe that they are gay, but they also have to hide the fact that they used homosexuality to avoid the draft to other people. There are several LGBTQ plus characters to support the story. They are all secondary and tertiary characters. There is Malcolm, the landlord of the two young men. Michael Greer, one of the first openly gay actors in Hollywood, plays him. There is also Craig, who is Malcolm's husband. We also have Colonel Dixon and the Sergeant George. Their immediate neighbor, Dwayne, is also gay. Another character is a drag queen, Jackie. There is also Jackie's boyfriend, Vince, and several extras. The extras are in a situation where you know that they're LGBTQ plus characters. They are either in a gay bar or at a party hosted by Malcolm. Some have dialogue, but they aren't always named. One thing that all these characters share is that homosexuality is a dominant trait. We don't know much about them other than the fact that they are gay. When we know things about them, it reinforces the sexual identity of the character or how gay men were perceived. A few other things that they all have in common is that they are all from middle class or upper class and they are all cisgender. There's no mention of any LGBTQ plus characters being religious, and they are all white. When we start looking deeper, we can separate the gay characters into two groups, the extremely feminine and the very masculine. The men in the feminine group are effeminate. It's a stereotypical portrayal. Also, throughout the movie, there's a highlight of their effeminity. When, whenever a character does something stereotypically effeminate, there is a sound effect. It can be a bell, the sound of a triangle, or the sound of a trombone. When we look at the men in this group, they share similar stereotypes. They have a springy walk, a high-pitched voice, and stereotypical gestures. A lot of them sway their hips like a woman. They also love to dance. For instance, Malcolm dances quite often. There's a part of the movie where he cooks for Danny and Elliot and he dances during the whole sequence. They are also obsessed with fashion and looking good. There are several instances showing that stereotype. Malcolm recognizes the design of the dress Danny's mom is wearing. He wears ruffled shirts, very short shorts cut out of a pair of jeans, and a lot of makeup. 
The first time he appears on the screen, he takes out a roller from his hair. We also see that stereotype with Craig, although Craig is more into the masculine group, he is always dressed sharp and his hair is always perfect. I've mentioned Malcolm several times so far. I want to talk a little bit more about him. He is the most important gay character in the story. The character is very stereotypical and cliche. Besides the stereotypes that he shares with the other gay characters, there are some more associated with him. He likes to be fundled like a baby. At moment, he can also be very snotty and rude. There's this meme of him going around nowadays on social media. In it, he says, I may not know my flowers, but I know a bitch when I see one. I don't know if you've seen it on social media, but that's an example of that. Furthermore, at one point, Craig mentions that Malcolm is temperamental and throws tantrums. Malcolm also smokes with the long cigarette holder. He mentions that he has been feeling insecure all his life. He also refers to himself as the fairy godmother of Danny, which is a very cliche thing. He also likes love stories. He takes pride in his interior decorating and his flowers. And he wanted to be the flower girl at his sister's wedding. There is also an obsession with his self-appearance. While cooking, he looks at himself in a metal lid. When it comes to the masculine gay characters, they are fewer in numbers. They appear less often and they speak way less dialogue. Most of them do not even speak. When they do, they have two or three lines in this scene and that's it. They are mostly confined to the gay bar. Outside that setting, we have the colonel and the sergeant, as well as a few other masculine guys at Malcolm's party. These two extremes are also found in the masculine and feminine distribution pattern in every gay couple in this movie. One partner is more feminine while the other is more masculine. Malcolm and Craig do have that pattern. I would say that Malcolm is basically portrayed like the stereotypical housewife. Jackie and his boyfriend also have that distribution pattern. Another example of this occurs when Malcolm comes in to introduce himself to Danny and Elliot. He comes in with a fruit basket. He tells Elliot, you must be the muscular one. Danny goes to shake his hand, but Malcolm gives him the fruit basket and shakes only Elliot's hand. Malcolm basically assumes that Elliot is the man of the house. In The Gay Deceivers, there's a link established between homosexuality and cross-dressing. The army officer asks Danny and Elliot if they dress sometimes like a woman. When Danny answers no, the officer asks him, why not? Elliot smiles shyly instead of answering, but his body language suggests that his answer is yes. In the segment of the party, most of the attendees are dressed like women. The only ones that aren't are the very masculine gays. A cliched trope that we have is when Malcolm and Craig try to act as mentors for Danny and Elliot. The young men say that they are newlyweds. Right from that moment, there are several instances of the two men 
trying to give them advice. With that kind of trope, the mentors usually have gone through what the main characters are going through. We have that with Malcolm and Craig. When Danny and Elliot have a fight, Malcolm and Craig try to comfort Danny. They tell him that it is normal that they fought the entire first year of their marriage. It is a cliche trope because that kind of character is present in a lot of stories with LGBTQ plus characters. It's like the presence of the gay fairy godmother, which we also have here. Another situation that is very cliche occurs when Elliot is about to sleep with someone he thinks is a woman, Jackie. As I mentioned, Jackie is a drag queen. The whole unsettling gender reveal can be considered as a cliche trope. I'll be going over that later on in the episode. A stereotype that Danny and Elliot perpetuate is the idea that the gay man is dramatic. At the beginning of the movie, Elliot mentions that he has to be with Danny while abroad, otherwise he'll die. We also have that stereotype with Malcolm, who is dramatic pretty much throughout the whole movie. You also have the idea that gay men love drama. When they are at the party, Malcolm is following with avidity what Elliot is doing. He is also very excited about the fight that happens during the party. He's actually the instigator since he tells Vince that Jackie tried to cheat on him. So as you can see, there are a lot of cliches and stereotypes in the gay deceivers. If you recall in the first episode, I mentioned that I had a very long list of stereotypes and cliches. I think the ones missing in the movie are the ones for the identities that aren't depicted. I'm sure they would have been included in the movie if it had other characters, like a lesbian for instance. Most stereotypes and cliches about gay men on my list are in this movie. Now the environment around Danny and Elliot is very close-minded. When their family and friends start thinking that they might be gay, they get very concerned for the two young men. There are even several interventions. For instance, Danny's dad was initially happy about the army deference. He wasn't too happy when he learned that Danny pretended to be gay. That brings me to the next type of representation in the gay deceivers. I want to talk about the continuation of the medical and psychiatric discourse in this movie. As I mentioned earlier, homosexuality at the time was considered a mental illness. That idea is present in the movie. Homosexuality is referred to as a problem several times throughout the film. An example of that is when Danny's girlfriend Karen talks to the doctor about Danny being gay. She tells the story to the doctor as if it was happening to one of her friends. And when she explains the situation, the doctor answers, your friend has a problem unless she's one of those sick types that prefers that sort of relationship. So not only homosexuality is considered a problem, but the doctor also considers that anyone who associates with gay people has a problem too. Homosexuality is also referred to as something wrong and odd. Elliot and Danny are also sent to the army psychiatrist to test whether they need to be rejected from the army. When Danny confesses what he has done, his dad doesn't believe him at first. He thinks that the army doctors cannot be fooled. He proceeds to tell Danny that he could have gone to the psychiatrist to get rid of his problem if he had told him. That right here refers to the existence of a cure that a psychiatrist can turn someone straight. 
Besides all that, after a visit to the apartment complex, Danny's sister says that the environment in which her brother lives is unhealthy. And when Elliot goes to the gay bar, the man he has a conversation with, Freddie, mentions that he lost his job because of his homosexuality. He says, they treat you like a disease or something. All these examples are part of a continuation of the medical and psychiatric discourse. There's also the idea that homosexuality is not natural or normal in the movie. It occurs four or five times in various contexts. And I want to mention something here that is somewhat related to that. The Gay Deceivers is set in San Francisco an urban setting. This information can be important here because in general, you don't have a lot of LGBTQ plus representation in rural setting. There's a division between urban and rural. Both are often opposed to one another in a nature versus culture debate. Because some people consider that homosexuality isn't natural, it is often portrayed in an urban setting. People tend to link the countryside to going back to nature and the city as unnatural or as culture. If you say that homosexuality is unnatural, you can't show it in a setting that you consider to be the most natural one. That is the point that I wanted to bring up here as I'm discussing that homosexuality is considered unnatural in the movie. Although the impact of this setting is very, very small, you still have that representation here. Besides the medical discourse held in this movie, there is also a link made between homosexuality and deviances. Even the name of the gay bar suggests that. The, the gay bar is called the Lush Life. I had to look it up. Lush can mean boozy despair or someone who's a drunkard. Also, the promotional material of the movie contain the word deviate. In the movie, gay people are referred to as undesirable, creeps, and perverts. There is also several instances where there's a link made between homosexuality and pedophilia. There's a mention of how homosexuality is harmful to children. When Danny's dad thinks Elliot is gay, he gets him fired after seeing him helping a child. Additionally, gay characters are also portrayed as predator. So there is a vilification here. For example, when Karen and Danny go into the gay bar, Danny acts reluctantly. His girlfriend tells him that she will protect him as if he could be preyed on by the gay man in the bar. Another category of LGBTQ plus representation that is in this movie is the representation of gay men as deceitful. Let's start with the title, The Gay Deceivers. My first language is in English and as I said, I had to look up some of the expressions used in the movie. I realized that the expression gay deceiver is slang for several things. It can be used for a womanizer, for fake eyelashes, for pads that make your boobs look bigger, or for someone with loose morals. Everything that I found linked the expression to something that can be misleading. There is also the unsettling gender reveal when Elliot thought Jackie was a woman. Not only is it a cliche trope, but it suggests that Jackie is being deceitful. It can also fit in what I was mentioning earlier when I said that gay characters are also portrayed as predators. Another instance of gay men being represented as deceitful is the relationship between Colonel Dixon and the young man's neighbor, Dwayne. Dixon mentions to Dwayne that his wife is having him followed because she suspects that he is cheating. In fact, he is having an affair with Dwayne. 
When Daddy's girlfriend asks for advice from the doctor, he tells her that these types of tendencies show themselves only in times of crisis. It implies that people hide their homosexuality very well to the point of misleading everyone around them. According to him, the only thing that can make them show their real self is a crisis. The ending also portrays gays as plotting against straight people. For that, they use an inversion of reality. We learn that the colonel and the sergeant are gays. There's a specific sentence said by the colonel that implies that gays are keeping straight people out of the army when it was actually the opposite. As you can tell, there are a lot of examples of deceitfulness or the idea that gay men are constantly scheming. Now let's talk about everything related to sex and intimacy. When Elliot and Danny are at their army interview, the psychiatrist asks them about their preferences in bed. There's also an element of secrecy in that question because some of the words are replaced by a sound effect. I will talk about secrecy a bit later. Yet, you can still tell that they are talking about being a top or a bottom. And the answer to that question is, sex has nothing to do with love. It's almost as if sexuality is something outside the scope of a romantic, of a gay romantic relationship, as if both have nothing to do with one another. Also, everything related to sex and intimacy is hidden. The intimacy between two men is limited to some romantic gestures, but that's it. Nothing sexual between two men is depicted. You see naked women and you see Elliot naked, yet when he goes in the bedroom with Jackie at the party, the camera pans away before they even touch each other. It is also done in the dark as if to keep it a secret. Even when Elliot and Danny try to pass as a gay couple, their behavior is very vanilla. They hold hands in front of the colonel, but they are standing very far apart. That's what sends them to the psychiatrist. And when the colonel is standing outside their window, they hug, but that hug is very stiff. There is nothing romantic about that hug, but it seems to confirm their homosexuality. Besides all of that, anything related to gay sex is mostly used for comedy purposes. When Elliot is in the shower at the club with several men, they joke about gay sex. The other men know about their little scheme because Elliot told them. As you can see, gay sex in the movie is either hidden or when it isn't, it is mostly used as a joke. A lot of things are also related to what I've labeled as secrecy. I've mentioned a few examples already, but here are some more. The first minutes of the movie consist of the army interview of Danny and Elliot. It intertwines with the opening credits. During that time, there is a big avoidance to mention the word gay or homosexuality. It is done in two different ways. Sometimes it cuts to credits right as the character is about to say that word, or sometimes they, re they replace the word with a sound effect like a bell. I mentioned already an example of that when I was talking about the army psychiatrist questioning Danny and Elliot at the beginning of the movie. The word homosexual is mentioned only twice in that short period of time. There is the word homosexual in a close-up of the questionnaire they had to fill. There is a question on it about whether they had an homosexual experience before. Even there, Danny didn't even answer. He smudged both yes and no. Then, during their interview with the psychiatrist, the psychiatrist asked the two young men if they are homosexuals. Elliot and Danny pretend to worry about 
what their friends will say about their deference. But when they go home, Danny is actually worried that people will find out about what they have done. He lies and tells people that Elliot was rejected because of his asthma and that he was rejected because of an old injury. When he hears Elliot telling people that they faked being gay, he panics and tells him to stop. Danny also forbids Elliot from seeing women because they can't have anybody over so that nobody discovers that they lied or thinks that they are a couple. There is also coded language to talk about homosexuality. Right before the army interview, there is a conversation between the colonel and the sergeant. The colonel goes, are they a couple of Siamese twins? The sergeant answers, no, but I have a feeling that they join together from time to time. When the realtor realizes that Elliot and Danny want to move into the neighborhood because of the gay neighbors, he mentions, I have several friends who are members of your faith. So that is coded language. However, all the secrecy is mostly around Danny and Elliot. The gay men don't really hide themselves. They live in a neighborhood known for its gay citizens. There's a gay bar. People talk about it a lot, according to Karen. When Danny confesses to his dad, his dad tells him immediately that he will regret it. Even if he faked being gay, he, his dad thinks that it will follow him all his life. It wasn't only the fact that his son might have been gay, but it was mostly about the fact that people will find out. I've mentioned before that the gay characters are not hiding. However, some of them can't talk about their life without the fear of repercussion. I've talked about Freddie in the bar who lost his job because of his homosexuality. That's an example of repercussion. Also, when Danny's dad thinks Elliot is gay, the first thing he does is to get him fired from the club. Therefore, there are several examples of homosexuality being kept a secret or that it should be kept a secret. When I built my method, I've read an article about LGBTQ plus representation in the media discourse in Slovenia from 1970 to 2000. One of the categories used in this study was normalization based on heteronormativity. What that is, is that the representation of LGBTQ plus couples is a copy of heterosexual relationships, but with gay people. That concept is present in the gay deceivers. As I mentioned before, the relationships have a feminine masculine distribution pattern. There is not a couple with two masculine guys or two feminine men. Additionally, their roles in the relationship are also divided according to a traditional men-women division. In the movie, homosexuality is depoliticized. There's like this feeling that all is well, most of the gay characters aren't affected by homophobia, even though there's a lot of it in the movie. Homophobia affects Elliot and Danny and just a few exceptions. The movie depicts people losing their jobs because of their homosexuality or because people thought they were gay. Danny loses his girlfriend because she doesn't believe that he is straight. Danny and Elliot experience homophobia or they witnesses, but they never challenge it. So at the end of the movie, it's like, oh, okay, we'll just move on with our life and that's it. So there is a theme of homophobia. It is the primary source of conflict, but it is left intact in the end. Besides what I've mentioned so far, it's important to say that there is violence towards the LGBTQ plus characters in this movie. Elliot punches Freddy, the man in the bar, for nothing. His excuse was that the man had been flirting with him the entire evening. Also, after finding out that Jackie is a man, he is a bit aggressive. There are also a lot of slurs used in the movie. The word is often used. 
and it refers to the apartment as fairyland. The words queen and queer are used a few times. A lot of people have reappropriated these words nowadays, but back then these words were derogatory. Homosexual is also used throughout the movie. The word homosexual has a history of being used by anti-gay groups, so that's why I'm mentioning it here. Additionally, the promotional material for the gay deceivers also contained various slurs. Now, I want to mention a few things that didn't quite fit in the other categories. The first one concerns imagery. The first thing on my list for that is the apartment decoration. Malcolm is the one who designed the whole place. When you look at the decor, it is filled with statues of naked men and phallic symbols. Malcolm decorated it with a lot of pink and colors associated with women. You also have some phallic symbols in the scene of the party. A lot of the balloons have a phallic shape. Another thing that can be mentioned here is that when Malcolm introduces himself to the two young men, he brings a basket of fruit. If you don't know, fruit is a slur. Uh, there's also an allusion to the word flamer. Flamer is a word used to name a very effeminate gay man. There are also some camp jokes about famous people who are considered icons by the LGBTQ community. An example is the mention of Judy Garland. There is a mention of gay marriage in this movie. I talked about Malcolm and Craig's union. Elliot says that Danny and him are newlyweds. In this movie, it can be considered as an element of comedy. It's not funny, but since the movie presents gay man as the butt of the joke, this is just one more thing used for that purpose. In the movie, there is also a physical reproduction of the closet. Danny changes in the closet because he doesn't want to change in front of Elliot. Elliot makes fun of him. He asks him, What's your problem? Afraid I'm going to see a precious little bottom? Or are you turning into a silly little closet queen? So, I'm sure that what I've mentioned so far seems like a very negative representation. You're probably going like, whoa. But some of the things in that movie could be seen as a more positive uh, representation. I managed to find a few things amid everything else. First of all, The Gay Deceivers is one of the first movies to show homosexuality on the screen. Before that, it was often implied or hidden. The depiction of homosexuality doesn't last just a few minutes. It lasts the whole movie. Some of the gay characters have non-stereotypical occupation. Some of them are in the army. I've mentioned Colonel Dixon and the sergeant. One positive representation in this movie is the romantic gestures that some LGBTQ plus characters do towards their partner. They don't kiss, but you do get to see them get romantic. Also, I have to mention that there is a positive representation in the fact that Malcolm and Craig have been together for a while, especially since LGBTQ plus relationships are often represented as unstable. Their relationship shows the opposite of that. The romantic gestures between LGBTQ plus characters are also shown as much as the ones between straight characters. And the LGBTQ plus characters don't pretend to be roommates, contrary to Danny and Elliot. Also, the characters aren't afraid of tests of courage. They aren't suicidals. No gay characters die or go crazy in the movie either. 
Homosexuality isn't portrayed as misery in people's life. They have a community, LGBTQ plus friends who appear on the screen and they have fun. It's not like a single random character in a whole movie that has either no LGBTQ plus friends or those friends are only implied. There is an actual presence on screen. Although there is no sex depicted and it is barely mentioned, homosexuality isn't reduced to sex only. The movie also depicts desire. Of course it is taken to an extreme, but it is still there. At first, Danny and Elliot are very reluctant towards Malcolm, but they start being more and more open with him. It is positive because despite the whole depiction of gays, it shows them trusting Malcolm more and more. And last but not least, Malcolm and Craig experience a relationship as normal as anyone's. Although Malcolm is insecure in everything, he has the same worries about his relationship as straight people. He is afraid that Craig is bored with him and he feels taken for granted. It's a positive thing because it suggests that gay people go through a lot of the same experiences as straight people. It's a normalization of gay relationship. Now that I've described the LGBTQ plus representation, let's ask ourselves why such a representation existed. I mentioned in the beginning that the movie came out around the time of the Vietnam War. I want to give you a bit more context here. The 60s were very eventful. There were the women's rights movement and the gay rights movement. You had the introduction of birth control and at the same time, people had a more open sexuality. It was a very eventful period and some of the things that happened in those years question what it meant to be quote-unquote a real man. Danny and Elliot both represent aspects of the traditional views of masculinity. Danny is the kid who is going to be a lawyer, he comes from the city, he has rich parents, he is going places, and his girlfriend is very traditional as well. Elliot is strong and muscular, women fall for him, he can stand up for himself, etc. However, they find themselves stuck when they decide to pretend that they are gay. Draft avoidance was something a quote-unquote real man wouldn't do. Add on top of that the fact that they used homosexuality to avoid going into the army. Throughout the movie, Danny and Elliot maintain their lie. They keep moving more and more away from the traditional real man, or quote-unquote real man. By keeping up with their lie, they also introduce another representation of gays. That representation falls into the category of a stolen identity. They replicate a lot of stereotypes. They wear flamboyant clothes. They speak differently when they pretend to be gay, etc. It is a false representation, but it is still there. The two different depiction of gays coming from the gay characters or from Danny and Elliot serve a specific purpose. Everything that I have described today creates a clear distinction between straight man and gay man. As the movie progress, they have two choices. Either they come clean and go back to their traditional roles, or they keep lying and moving away from traditional masculinity. The more they pretend to be gay, the more problems they encounter. And they try to fight it. For instance, Elliot worries that he isn't getting enough sex, he punches Freddy, he constantly tries to prove his manhood. But at one point, they just can't continue on that path. They decide to complain and try to come back 
to their previous life. So when you look at all that, the LGBTQ plus representation here reinforces traditional masculinity. One of the clues is how homophobia is left intact in the end. They suffer from it, but it is just one more thing to show them that they need to come back on the right path. That being said, let's compare the gay deceivers to other works. As you might know, my goal is to understand how sexual and gender diversity is portrayed through time and space to see how its representation has evolved. I will mention only a few comparison points. It is the first episode and I've talked a lot, so I'll keep it short. Anyway, I will probably be mentioning the gay deceivers in future comparison. If we compare, there are a lot more stereotypes here than in more recent movies. In upcoming episodes, I will be analyzing the movie, but I'm a cheerleader. It came out in 92 and it is also filled with stereotypes. Both movies use them as humor, but there's difference in purpose. In the 60s and the 70s, gay characters were often the butt of the joke. Is the case here? They twist everything to make it comical. However, in But I'm a Cheerleader, the stereotypes are for satire. Satire is used to laugh at the power, at the establishment. Both movies are opposite on that. In But I'm a Cheerleader, the stereotypes and cliches are there to reject to reject the establishment in traditional roles. The Gay Deceivers uses them to push people to come back to the traditional views of masculinity. The differences in representation might have to do with LGBTQ plus people being more and more involved in the process and being more vocal. It can also be because homosexuality is more and more accepted. All of this might also explain the decrease of stereotypes and cliches in works of fiction through the years. In a few episodes, I will be analyzing a play called Osana. The play opened in 1973, four years after The Gay Deceiver. There is a big difference between both when it comes to LGBTQ plus representation. There are fewer stereotypes in the play. And even though homosexuality is a dominant trait, there is more depth to the character. The relationship between the Osana characters is more complex. There are more romantic gestures between them. It might be because the writer of Osana is gay himself. The actor Michael Greer in The Gay Deceiver did change the lines of his character, yet at the end of the day, the screenwriters and the director had the final say and they weren't gay. I also want to talk here about the secrecy in the movie. When we look at more recent works, there is an element of secrecy, but it is temporary. It is often associated with coming out stories. The character will keep their sexual orientation or their gender identity secret for a while until they come out. So this is it for me today. I know it was a very long episode. However, this movie had way more details than the other works I've analyzed so far. I think that starting with one of the dancer analyses is a very good way to start this journey on the podcast. Let me know if there's a movie, a TV show, a book, or a play that you would like me to analyze. I'm always looking for suggestions. Also, I've included the sources that I used to build today's episode in my blog post. The link will be in the show notes. Thank you for listening to the Marie Juliev show. Please subscribe to the show on your favorite podcast platform. You can also follow the show on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. In the meantime, I wish you a very good week and I will talk to you next Monday. Bye!